Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss the breach goes on. We're talking about a private industry notification from the FBI on the continued popularity of ransom actors gaining access via third parties and legit system tools. Next up, the early bird gets the sandworm. Sandworm disrupts power in Ukraine using a novel attack against operational technology. And of course, our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 173, recorded on November 13th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie. My Enneagram is JRTF Fensel. And with me is co-host Taylor, Phantom of the Lipidoptera, Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least is Tim, Enter Sandworm, Helmet. I feel like I didn't say to I didn't say Taylor's right, did I? Phantom of the Lepidoptera. Phantom but, of the but you did continue the uh, your trend of of kind of giggling at <laughs> Taylor's name, which is always good. Well, we established last week that that's a highlight of the show. Good, good, good. I'm so glad. I'm I'm on brand, but I'm, I'm like I'm laughing at myself because I wrote I wrote a note on how to say it, and I'm like I still messed it up. <laughs> You know, I've done the Enneagram, but I don't remember what my number was. I don't remember what mine was either. Guess I'll have to do it again. Yeah, that's okay. What's, uh, I mean, other things? Like, what's what's everybody's sign? Oh, I'm a Leo. Oh. I have no idea. You? How do you not know? That's Wait, a good answer, too, actually. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I'm a Virgo. I don't know. At some point, someone told me that. I was like, okay, cool. But then they also didn't. They move all the signs around. They're like, oh, we were wrong. Oh, <laughs> you're you're I, now a this. Oh, if they did that, I was like, no. Oh, man. Because I'm a Sagittarius. And I was like, I'm the centaur? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there must Cent- have been people who, you know, like, I assume that they didn't move them radically, so it must have been people that were right on the edge of one to another. But but those people, when they did that, I mean, that's got to have been like a Pluto's not a planet anymore kind of moment. I if I if I'm a Scorpio because I'm sort of on the cusp, like I I won't accept it. <laughs> 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 and you know, like I could I can just. If my husband listens to this, I can just picture him just going, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of like Tay, where I don't think he knows what his sign is either. And if I told him, he'd be like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, I might. Yeah, (laughs) I would erase that information immediately and then find a new malware group and stick their name in there instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how's everybody doing? Doing well for a Monday. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're uh, we're coming up quick on the holiday season, so that's fun. It is fun, except it's so dark here. Yeah, these northern latitudes. Yeah, for sure. It does. I I imagine it's darker in Seattle than it is in in good old Cleveland. Oh yeah, it's pitch black by like four forty-five right now. How do you deal with that? It feels like it, at least. I may be exaggerating. That's a good question. Uh, I use my fireplace a lot. It's cozy. You know what? Somehow, um, 
I, I don't know. It must be my phone listening to me. But like I follow the Cleveland subreddit just to stay in the know. And it's and Reddit started showing me the Seattle subreddit, even though I don't follow it. And I saw oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw people. F- yeah. I'll oh, go ahead, Tim. Oh, your phone's totally listening. I mean, all the things are listening. That's true. But like, yeah, I saw people talking like, how are we going to deal with the darkness this year, everybody? Are we keeping our lights, our Christmas lights up until February? People do that, and I really appreciate them for it. I love it. I think, yeah, yep, I think I'm you should. Yeah, yeah. Like, but weirdly, I don't want them to do it early. Like, I don't want them to be up now. But keeping them around late is good. But I don't know. I mean, that's probably very like inconsistent of me to feel that way. But there you go. I, I say I, get them up now, and then twelve oh one, the day after Thanksgiving, you fire those suckers up. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Up, <laughs> but not. It illuminated that's cool <laughs> and keep that on until all the way through through yeah end of february maybe like until the we get sunsets regularly in the six plus p.m you got to keep those <laughs> lights on that's right <laughs> it's gonna be a while bear with me seattleites <laughs> yep the big dark i'm just like i was like oh wow i'm in the know now for seattle as well <laughs> yep. so yeah should we should we talk about some news in the InfoSec world? No. News you can use? News you can use. <laughs> well, Taylor said no, so I guess we can't. <laughs> no, I guess we can. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So he's okay with it. We can go on. Yeah. So the the first one uh, we're talking about is the breach goes on, which um, I will say like made me giggle as I was writing it the other day. I didn't do it you know, on our recording, but sometimes, you know, I make myself laugh, but we're talking about a private industry notification from the FBI on ransomware actors gaining access through third parties and legit system tools. So, um, so Taylor, we're going to start with you. Um, as this is a private industry notification, can we talk about this? Like, how do we like, even get it? Is it like Fight Club? <laughs> no, it is TLP clear. So we, oh. we can, yeah, we can actually, we can, the first two rules don't apply here. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. They do have a nice fancy, like private industry notification. They got like fonts and things going on. In there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. I like so, it. <laughs> the FBI does publish these from time to time, uh, kind of uh, saying, hey, we've picked up some exigent threats. Um, they have a lot of visibility into these things that the, the rest of us do not have. So it can be really useful when they're really specific like this one. It can be even more useful. I can't believe the FBI has insights into things that we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> Share what, that with us immediately. What right do you have? <laughs> <laughs> to investigate things. <laughs> yeah. Secret secrets are no fun unless you share with everyone. You know what? And they're trying. They're trying right now here with this this pin. <laughs> exactly. So this is actually, I don't think I've seen one of these before. I think this is my first exposure. So how bad does something have to be for the FBI to release one of these? Real bad. No. Real, yeah. real bad. <laughs> Ten hoodies. No, I... Uh, it is the so these have been around for a little while. Um, these are a you know a way to get 
generic specific information out into uh, into the the eyes uh, and ears potentially of folks that can can do something with it to prevent something from from happening. And so, you know, from time to time, they will pick up enough information or they'll see enough activity um, targeting a very specific field or with a specific technique, and then they will kind of let everyone know, like, hey, we're we're seeing these things, and you should be aware of them. Gotcha. So what what are they seeing here? Oh, you're just going to have to read it to find out. I'm actually not going to tell you. You have to read the book and find out. Like I'm <laughs> no. reading. <laughs> no. So but you... don't take my word for it. <laughs> Your options are to read all three paragraphs of this. No. Uh, <laughs> it no, was, no. It or, was pretty brief. I was... Or listen to the pot. Uh, mm-hmm. No. So in this case, it's very short and sweet uh, and specific. What they're noticing, uh, so that, I'll read it. The FBI continues to track reporting of third-party vendors and services as an attack factor for ransomware incidents. And between 2022 and 2023, they've noted ransomware attacks compromising casinos through third-party gaming vendors. And they're targeting small and tribal casinos, encrypting servers, and the personally identifying information of employees and patrons. And so they're also saying, hey, as of this summer and beyond, we're noticing, uh, they're calling them the Silent Ransom Group, SRG. They're also known as Lunamoth, or the mm-hmm. Lepidoptera of our of my of my name today. Uh, conducted conducted callback phishing, data theft, um, which is a specific kind of uh, wrinkle uh, in terms of phishing and data exfiltration um, to compromise uh, these uh, casinos. You answered my next question, which is, what is callback phishing? That's a that's a newer that's, term for me as well. So it's been around for a little while. I think, you know, it came on everyone's radar um, a couple of years back. The Ryuk ransomware gang was big for this. It is where they they send, you know, they'll send out an email to employees saying like, hey, you know, you here's your receipt for this thing you bought. Um, and then, you know, if you want to refund it, you can kind of contact customer service. And so the callback that comes inbound to your, uh, your group here, and then they will, you know, sometimes they'll socially engineer you to dropping, you know, very like normal remote access tools. Um, so one of the wrinkles that makes this particular type of attack difficult to uh, distinguish for defenders is that you know they're they're not you know being really noisy in the environment. They're using a lot of tools that you may already have in the arsenal um, for remote access to gain just kind of normal. Like since they're spoofing, uh, you know they're not dropping ransomware. They're not. Um, you know, uh, leaving behind a lot of traces, they're living off the land and they're looking for data that they can pull out um, to kind of hold over your head or, or you know, use for a, a ransom. Gotcha. What do you think a hollaback phishing attempt would look like? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it'd be a lot more in person, right? Like I think you kind of have to be right there with them to attempt a hollaback. Uh, I would hope that most companies ain't no hollaback type of company. Uh, you know, that's my sincere wish for all. Of I them. know because it, it would be B A N A N A S, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely would be B A N A N A S. Uh, to conduct a hollaback fishing campaign. Uh, but unfortunately, we are dealing with Lunamoth and they are dealing with callback fishing campaigns. <laughs> like Lunamoth sounds like a store my mom would shop at. Like oh, yeah. kind of like a hippie store. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to shop at the moth store. It feels like, <laughs> why are all these holes in my clothes? Why do I keep, why do I keep going back here and buying more clothes and they all have holes in them? No, that's by design to, you know, 
to be trendy and earth mothery. <laughs> <laughs> what do we what what else do we know about Luna Moth? Uh, you know, this is their favorite thing. This is the well, this is their second favorite thing. So they any light source, number one, if they can see it and get to it, a fire, a light bulb, your monitor, anything that's lit up, they will they are just drawn to it. They'll that just makes sense. Bounce yeah. their little heads right into it. Their second favorite thing, callback fishing. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they've been they've been around for uh, a year or so here. They're also known as the silent uh, ransom group or SRG. Um, and so, you know, the, they're called out here, but as I mentioned, this, this technique is not exclusively theirs. They don't have the rights to this. Uh, there are certainly other groups that do similar stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. They can't, can't try to copyright that. No. Nope. Like, uh, I feel like Disney's trying to copyright something. Dia de los Muertos. I, and again, I'm hearing this secondhand from my husband. He's like, "Did you hear they were trying to copyright Dia de los Muertos?" It's like huh. you can't, you can't do that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know that you. I, hey, look, watch them try. Hey, <laughs> that's cultural appropriation. And I, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't we, we seem possible. Like we don't like that. <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. I mean, I like they they could try. We won't. No one will like pay attention to it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So no, Luna Moth, you cannot, you cannot take callback fishing as your own. All right, but on this on this notification, there's a lot of mitigations that they're recommending. Um, I think that takes up like the bulk of the. Yeah, the this has been pretty standard in these pins for a little while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basic like again when we think about the the targets of these organizations now they're really broad and wide and so like they've got all of these smaller um targets and victims that they're going after that may not have the level of sophistication that your enterprise uh enterprises have slash aspire to uh, <laughs> uh, so you know the like getting this pin if you just said like hey you're getting targeted by lunamoth <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Okay, great. Like I guess I'll turn the lights off outside and maybe put a bug zapper out there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but instead, they give some nice uh, specifics around kind of best practices um, on segmentation and I am and um, yeah, it, you know, it's a, a good refresher for anybody. Gotcha. Cool. And um, at the end of the notification, they mentioned the U.S. Joint Ransomware Task Force, or the JRTF, which is where my fun name um, in the episode came from. Um, what what can you tell us about this group? Uh, yeah. uh, so they were built out in the Cyber Incident Reporting for Critical Infrastructure Act of 2022. Um, so Congress set aside this joint ransomware task force as an interagency body uh, that is trying to bring the different threads together on the federal side um, to coordinate between state, local, tribal, territorial, you know, private sector stuff, uh, you know, uh, across all of these different organizations. We <laughs> we needed a multi-agency response, uh, but then we needed someone at the at the head of that specifically for this type of behavior. Ransomware. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, th- thanks, Tate, for walking us through that. I think it kind of set- sends us into um, our hoodie rating for this. Um, if you are a newer listener, um, 
at the end of each article, or in this case, notification that we're discussing, we like to assign a hoodie rating from one to 10 hoodies, if you think of the stereotypical hacker in a hoodie, um, where one is not so bad. Uh, you can go about your day, and 10 is is kind of, not kind of, it's catastrophic. Um, so, so Tay, you had uh, you know provided your summary of this, so how about um, Tim? You know, after hearing this, what what would you say hoodie wise uh, this this type of attack or threat would be? Well, the you know, this isn't uh, the first instance of the callback method, um, but it's it's a wily trick. I I would say I think this is kind of middle of the road stuff. So. I'm probably going to go four and a half, maybe. Um, and I've done the, the half hoodie has been diagonal for a couple times <laughs> now. So I probably can't do that anymore. So it's the, uh, it's the lower half of the hoodie this time. Interesting. Which is, kind of, I mean, that's making a statement. Is all I'll say about that. That is, yeah, mm -hmm. that is different. But <laughs> we could bring it into style. Anything's possible. Yeah. That's right. What about you, Tay? What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, this one for me will be, you know, fairly low. We'll go, let me think, 2.37 hoodies. All right. You got to explain that point three seven. Ah, uh, good question. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Oh, man. Okay, so it's just like the hoodie part, and then it's kind of like a cape down the back, but no sleeves. Ooh. And the cape kind of goes down. That's a you know, new Maybe look. about halfway, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, interesting, as always. <laughs> I want to see that on the runway in Milan. <laughs> I'm telling you, one, someday I'm going to make it over to Seattle and I'm coming for you, Tay. You have to wear all the hoodies. Start, you have to start sewing. <laughs> oh no. What have I done? And then, uh, and then it's a fashion, fashion show at lunch. Anywho. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the early bird gets the sandworm. Stay tuned. Howdy, Breaking Badness listener. Tim from the team here saying that wherever you are and whenever it is that you listen, we appreciate you. We hope the appreciation is mutual. And if it is, we'd love for you to do the things. What things? You know, the podcast enthusiast things. Mash on that subscribe button and that like button and that five stars button and then mash on a bunch of other keys in a way that forms a message to a friend or two telling them about Breaking Badness. We'd be so thankful. And now... Let's get back to the episode. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. Uh, so nice to be back. It was good. It was very luxurious. Mm. Yes. What was everyone Hopped able the to Winnebago saw the sights. Oh, yeah? Mm. Yeah. What'd you see? Oh, you know, Old Faithful, the Grand Canyon, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Yosemite. Excellent. Wow. You accomplished a lot. Grand, did you say Grand Canyon? I did. Yeah, oh, that was in there. My grandpa 
once said, you only need to see the Grand Canyon twice. And I don't... <laughs> super specific. Random. It was so specific. <laughs> what, what happens if you see it a third time? I don't, I don't know. I guess like... <laughs> totally I, superfluous at that point. I didn't... Wasting your time. Huge thing. I didn't feel like I had like the the authority to be like, what do you mean by that? In real life, I've only seen it once and it was from a plane. I haven't actually been there in a Winnebago or uh, any other road vehicle. But Same. I think it counts toward the two that you're allowed to see it. Uh-oh. I've seen it a couple of times from the air. I guess I can't go there now. You can't. You can't do it now. Bummer. <laughs> Oh, it's something we like to joke about all the time in my family. <laughs> what I was he- trying to think, but like, did he mean like once from the rim and once when you're falling into it? Maybe. Which would be problematic. I, I don't know. He also said um, it's not really worth going to Myrtle Beach. Because he, he's like, it's too hard to get there. <laughs> he's right about that. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I was I learned- hoping maybe like the Yogi, Yogi Berra and nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. I I don't know. I just feel like he said a lot of funny things. I learned a lot from that man. (laughs) That I just get to tell everybody now. Be like, can you believe this? It was hilarious, though. To me. Anywho. We should probably talk about the early bird getting that sandworm. I hope somebody gets sandworm. Enter sandworm. I like that song a lot. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's on, my, it's on my workout playlist. <laughs> but um, we're talking about sandworm disrupting power in Ukraine um, using several novel attacks um, against some operational technology, a.k.a. OT. So, um, Tim, let's start with, you know, in case people aren't aware, who, who exactly is sandworm? Yeah, so let's talk about that. And probably most people have some awareness, possibly through the very well-known and deservedly so, book of the same title by Andy Greenberg, the writer from Wired, who's done some consistently awesome writing about uh, various things, cybersecurity. So that makes them one of the most well-known or, I don't know, maybe even the most well-known APT groups uh, targeting ICS infrastructure, but targeting lots of things. Uh, And they are assessed by... Mandian and others with very high confidence to be a unit of the Russian GRU, which we've talked about before. That's their intel agency, kind of their CIA. Um, And, you know, you could say of Sandworm that they epitomize all three letters of the APT acronym. Uh, They're one of the most advanced threat groups we've ever seen. Uh, They've been extremely persistent over the years, and that ain't about to change. And the threat posed by this group is well manifested and it's undeniable. So there you go. A, P, and T, all boxes checked. And uh, although, by the way, uh, uh, although this story that we're going to talk about here is uh, largely about industrial control systems or operational technology, Sandworm has definitely compromised IT networks too, uh, with a lot of significant effects there. Gotcha. Thanks, Tim. So, um, you know, again, just to give a brief summary for for people that might not be aware, um, what were the initial attacks done by Sandworm? 
There've been a lot of them, but some of the ones that are going to stand out to folks and got them on the map in terms of the, I don't know, the public consciousness and where even people outside of the industry have heard of them. They're the group that shut down the Ukrainian economy and multiple international corporations like Maersk Shipping was one of the big ones using NotPetya. Um, and listeners who haven't read Andy's book may nonetheless recall that incident. Uh, and, of course, the earlier attacks on Ukraine's power grid. Um, and among other less publicized things that they've done was to fry some software used by hospitals in the U.S. So they've done a lot of bad stuff. Mm, yeah, and I guess um, you had mentioned it earlier, the the Sandworm book. Just a quick plug for an upcoming episode we're going to have on our book club. We are going to cover Sandworm. I was going to say, yeah. I was thinking I might do a spoiler alert that that may or may not appear on a uh, upcoming Breaking there, Badness episode. It, there was a frenzy on who gets to talk about Sandworm, too. So that's mm -hmm. exciting. It's a very, very popular. Um, but, you know, we can all talk about it. It doesn't have to just be. Well, one it's a discussion. It's a, discussion. a filibuster. Right. I will remind that person about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess I was just asking about the initial attacks um, just because I was curious. How do those differentiate from from these latest attacks that, that are in the news currently? Sure. Yeah. So we'll do that by looking at what they did here specifically. And uh, I will also start off by saying that although this report, which is linked in our show notes here, uh, just came out last week as of when we're recording this, the events that they're documenting actually took place in 2022. Uh, so the intrusion began in approximately June of 2022. They're not exactly sure the date, um, but it was roughly in that time frame. And ultimately, it achieved uh, disruptive events on October 10th and October 12th of 2022. So that gives you an idea of how long they were lurking inside uh, the compromised environment. Now, uh, Mandiant has actually not been able to determine what the initial access vector was. And that's probably part of why the time frame is a little bit fuzzy. Um, but anyway, uh, the result of that initial access, whatever it was, is that they gained access to the OT environment through a hypervisor that hosted a SCADA management instance uh, for a Ukrainian substation, uh, electricity substation. So SCADA being kind of an older term for pretty synonymous with ICS, but supervisory control and data acquisition is what SCADA stands for, for you acronym fans. Um, and so uh, among the things that Mandiant was able to uncover was evidence of the lateral movement that they did. And they're thinking that the attacker probably, they may have had access to that SCADA system for up to three months. Um, so that's a pretty good amount of time to, to be in there and planning the attack. So about the disruptive events themselves, on October 10th, they leveraged an ISO image named A.ISO to execute a native microSCADA binary. And I'll say more about microSCADA in a second. But um, the effect of it was that it sent malicious control commands that shut down substations. Uh, it basically opened circuit breakers on those substations, which meant the power went out. So back to microSCADA, that is a control system from Hitachi Energy, and it's used around the world. Um, and 
something significant about these shutdowns is, well, they coincided with some widespread Russian missile strikes. Uh, so when, when you're thinking about this time frame, put this in context, the invasion was in early 2022, and then the uh, entry into this system was somewhere in mid-2022, and then, yeah, these, uh, these shutdowns were in October. And so some of the uniqueness of of what they did here um, had to do with the specific uh, ways that they compromised the uh, that Hitachi system, as well as some of the they 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 demonstrated a lot of ability to uh, live on live off the land, right? So that's something we hear about a lot in the IT incursions, but it's also something that this group has been able to do in the OT environment. So when you're living off the land, of course, you're using or abusing, I should say, the resources that are already present in that environment. You're not necessarily bringing in a whole bunch of external tooling and external binaries and stuff, all things that can make you easier to discover. So when you're living off the land, you can be a lot more stealthy. Um, the traffic that's moving across the network looks a lot like the legit traffic that's always moving across that network. And it's mostly what they call east-west traffic. So, you know, again, lateral movement in the environment rather than north-south traffic going um, to and from the internet uh, itself. So very sophisticated. um, And they did a good job also of cleaning up after themselves. Uh, And I highly recommend if you want to go into detail, my segment here would take 45 minutes if we went into exactly what all the uh, specifics were, but you can read about those in the uh, article from Mandiant that we're linking to. So if you're curious about getting a little deeper, um, you can do that. And I will say, just backing up a little bit, that um, the abuses of ICS infrastructure and the ways in which weaknesses in their protocols are exploited is still fairly emerging area of study, shall we say. I mean, it's been, you know, people have been looking at this stuff for years, but there's such a huge number of devices, huge number of protocols. And, um, in some cases, unfortunately, these protocols are not necessarily as well documented as you would hope. So that can be true in it environments as well, naturally. Um, but so a lot of the folks in ICS security are doing really good work, actually, uh, reverse engineering these protocols and helping build safeguards for them. But, um, the, uh, one of the things that they did in this attack also was the deployment of wiper malware. And we've saw, we've seen, uh, uh, wiper attacks were some of the kinds of attacks, not always very successful by the way. Um, but that we saw in the early stages of the, uh, Ukraine invasion. Gotcha. Thanks, Tim. And do we think the timing of the multi-event cyber attack was planned, like targeting the OT systems happening at the same time as a missile strike? Was that the intention or do we think that was more of a coincidence? Well, Occam's razor here suggests that, yes, the most plausible explanation is probably the right one. Uh, Losing power right before the missiles arrived put Ukraine 
at a significant disadvantage in a variety of ways, right? In terms of potentially, and I don't know this, so this is speculation on my part, but disruption of, um, you know, anti-missile technologies that they may have otherwise been able to deploy, but certainly uh, the ability to communicate and respond uh, after the missiles landed. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this was not coincidental. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so what does the attack mandate responded to represent? Like what, what is the outlook like from this attack? Yeah, well, so one of the things that jumped out right away uh, with this story to me was that, as you recall, you know, a big part of the narrative around the Russian invasion was the relative lack of Russian offensive cyber operations. You know, we were expecting everything from a countrywide blackout to potentially even some offensive cyber operations outside of Ukraine itself as well um, during the beginning of that uh, invasion. And, but it's true that we didn't see a lot of those right at the beginning in early 2022. But I think part of the story here is that sometimes, often for very good reasons, we don't learn about these kinds of events until quite a bit later. Some of them you couldn't cover up. If it had been a nationwide blackout right at the beginning of the invasion, we would have, you can't hide that. But some of this um, may have been, you know, sort of need to know type information. Um, and so, that's why we're, I think we're hearing about this now. It's not just that it probably took Mandy and a while to develop all of the intel that they did about this, but there may have been some thought to keeping the information, uh, you know, quiet for longer for strategic reasons. Anyway, as far as the outlook goes, well, sandworm is a major threat. Uh, I didn't even mention some of the other uh, operations that are attributed to them, which are uh, very extensive espionage activities. And if we think about APTs, you know, a lot of them seem to like specialize in one area. Maybe they're a ransomware group or wipers are their big thing. Uh, and as I mentioned, that was actually part of this particular um, incursion. But in a sense, sandworm is a Swiss army knife. Uh, but where that analogy breaks down here is that you know, each of the little tools on a real Swiss Army knife is a compromise because uh, you're packing them all into that small form factor. But in the case of Sandworm, each of their major capability areas uh, is very well developed. So it's hard to overstate the value of the research that Mandiant has done to shed light on what this group is uh, is up to. So definitely full marks to them and uh, glad they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think this uh, leads us into the hoodie rating for this particular piece of news. Um, so Taylor, since uh, we just heard from Tim, what what are you thinking hoodie wise? You know, it is uh, really rare to see like this type of <laughs> like uh, report written in, in in detail and to be able to kind of see how. Uh, the cyber part of this uh, overlaps with the kinetic warfare side of things. Um, you know, I think that's something we definitely don't get a good look at <laughs> uh, in the industry uh, for, um, you know, we're lucky that we don't see a lot more of it, I suppose. Uh, uh, this is, you know, I'm just going to go seven hoodies. Like I'm not even gonna, I don't have a, a clever hoodie schema um, for this. It's, uh, you know, 
taking out OT and, and ICS networks, you know, right in advance of a barrage of missiles is, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, it doesn't get kind of more dangerous from a, a cyber perspective than that. Right. That, that makes sense. Um, what about you, Tim? Yeah, I'm in the same neighborhood. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'll put mine at eight hoodies. Here's the deal. Like when the eye of Sauron is facing you, uh, in this case, you're going to have a bad day. Um, I think that there are very few organizations that would necessarily be able to successfully repel um, a really focused uh, attention, shall we say, by Sandworm on that organization. I won't say there are none, but it's these they're very good at what they do. Um, and so they're very dangerous. Uh, now, does my eight hoodie rating mean that I think every defender is going to face Sandworm at some point? No, uh, I don't think so, hopefully. Um, but for those that do, it's going to be highly problematic. So, uh, you know, that and again, that's part of why I'm really glad that we're learning more all the time about them because that, you know, that's going to be important to our defenses. Uh, but they've certainly got stuff up their sleeve that we haven't seen yet. So, yeah, it's a this is a pretty bad one. I'll I'll stick with eight and I will join Taylor in staying on the integer train for this particular rating. <laughs> it's it's so severe. We have to stay on the integer train. That's right. This is no joking matter, so we're not going to talk about clever portions of hoodies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, yeah, for sure. Well, th thanks, Tim. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us and our listeners. Um, well, uh, before we exit today, do we want to uh, talk about some gold guidance and grievances? Not in that order? I Sure. Yeah? Okay, great. Um <laughs> guys don't have much of a choice no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah what if i said no going to talk <laughs> if i just said no and i just like left <laughs> like oh geez i'd be like oh man i like i really struck a chord with taylor <laughs> i never knew that part was optional until today <laughs> <laughs> no um again if you are a newer listener um we've uh we've been you know concluding our episodes with what we call gold guidance and grievances where um, our experts are talking about, you know, something that was good with, you know, and again, this doesn't necessarily have to be within the InfoSec cybersecurity industry, just something good that's going on, any any advice or guidance that they might have, and of course, any grievances. Um, and we've also found that it's best to do it inversely um, and end on the gold. Um, otherwise, uh, we end in a very weird headspace. And that's not what we want for anybody. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with grievances. And um, uh, since we just heard from Tim, how about Taylor? We'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me, so uh, grievances, you know, there's nothing super, <laughs> I don't have anything too crazy to, to be angry about. Um, you know, I think that's okay. The, uh, there was a ransomware group that we thought was dead that may be coming back. The Hive uh, ransomware group is getting tracked again as um, as hunters. It's just mostly dead. Yeah, <laughs> hunters International <laughs> is reusing a lot of the code and find you know a lot of the, the, so it looks like there's a lot of overlap there. Um, so that's a, that's always annoying. Uh, let's see from a like 
guidance perspective. Interesting article from Troy Hunt on the like noise that gets into his data set. Um, he was ex exploring a new quote unquote LinkedIn database breach, um, but found that it's mostly fabricated email addresses and, and things like that. So uh, I found that to be kind of interesting. And then another kind of I don't know if uh, if it's like a gold or whatnot, but there was an interesting article on the Google Project Zero um, group uh, maybe about 10 days ago about uh, adopting memory tagging extensions in the newest version of the ARM chips in the uh, Pixel 8. So the new Google Android devices are using some memory hardening techniques um, that have been developed at the hardware level from the ARM folks. And that's good for us long-term. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Hmm. All right. All right, Tim, what about you? All right. Well, let's see. I guess I found a little, I had a little more ease with finding a grievance. And this is in the, so two of mine today are going to be in the security and privacy realm. And one of them is going to have nothing to do with InfoSec whatsoever. That'll be my gold. But uh, for the grievance, it seems, and I say it seems because I did see a, contrary view to this saying, I want to see more evidence, but it appears that uh, car makers, at least some of them, can intercept and keep your text messages that appear on the car's infotainment system, and then do things like turn those over to law enforcement. So I don't like that from a privacy perspective one bit. Uh, I, don't I don't like, like that, that it's either. possible for them to do it, and I don't like that they are doing it. So but do you think like maybe they're just going to wade through a bunch of be there in five minutes and nobody's coming in five minutes. They're oh least, yeah. It's a big data problem. <laughs> <laughs> the car manufacturers are going to tell us the flakiest people. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, that reminds oh, no. me of in the early days of cell phones when they were analog and they were also rare and expensive. Uh, you could, pretty easily listen in on cell phone conversations uh, if you had a scanner, a oh. radio scanner. And I've been a radio nerd forever. So, so you've been you listening know, to I'm going to admit that <laughs> in the early days of cell phones, I did overhear some conversations and, you know, maybe accidentally, maybe not. But I can tell you they were incredibly boring. And these people were paying a lot of money at the time to say things like, hey, what are you up to? No, not much. What about you? No, not much. I might go to the store. Yeah, okay. I thought, wow, how many dollars per minute is that costing you? Not to mention dollars per month to subscribe to it to have scintillating conversations like that. So you're right. A lot of the text messages uh, that are potentially interceptable right now are going to be of that nature. But of course, big data and anal uh, analytics and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. So... I don't like that. That's my grievance. Uh, my guidance, educate yourself about SIM swapping and how to protect yourself. We've done at least a couple stories, I think, here on Breaking Badness that yeah. involved SIM swapping. And it's a big problem. And it, it certainly looks like it's a growing problem. And I saw a headline to the effect of um, SIM swappers are now basically just flat out uh, robbing T-Mobile stores. Uh, so it's it's really a big uh, issue. So, But there are things that you can do 
uh, to protect yourself. I saw a pretty decent article by Kaspersky that talked about that, but there's other sources out there as well. So go ahead and get yourself some education on protecting your phone and those of the people you love uh, from this dangerous activity. And then my gold, uh, if you are remotely gearhead inclined, which I, I've been a gearhead forever, of the uh, vehicular kind, in addition to other sorts of gear, check out the YouTube channel called Vice Grip Garage. It is so entertaining. The the host of it is a a great mechanic who sort of almost has a persona of, yeah, I'm just a shade tree mechanic. I don't really know what I'm doing, and I fix everything with duct tape and bailing wire and vice grips, but he's he's actually incredibly knowledgeable and good and super entertaining. So Vice Grip Garage, check it out. Ooh, that sounds cool. I like that. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and what he does, I should say, like like the the main thing and the thing that I originally that got my attention on his channel is he does these revivals of these derelict corpses of cars. You know, there'll be somebody's 1973 Buick LeSabre that's been parked in a field in North Dakota for 40 years. And it you'd see the car and you're like, there is no way that car is going to run and drive. And like his challenge is, can I revive this thing and then drive it 600 miles home? And uh, by golly, he pretty much always succeeds. And it's really something to, to see him do it. So very entertaining. For sure. I got to check that out. Yeah, even if you're not a total gearhead, it's pretty amusing. I bet it is. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. Thank you both for sharing. I appreciate it. Um, Well, thanks. And and thank you both uh, for your insights on, uh, you know, these two pieces of news uh, going on this week. Um, Thanks to our listeners, as always. We really appreciate you tuning in every week. Um, And again, stay tuned because we've got that book club episode. I think that, I think, as if I don't control... (laughs) <laughs> the the timeline you are master control yeah you know right so that's uh that's coming the week after thanksgiving for sure uh, that's going to be really fun uh it's the first time we've done anything like that so um if you're interested please stay tuned for that but thanks again for listening and we hope you have a great rest of your week cheers y'all cheers. thanks everybody That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.